glad you see through eyes of love yes you do shall we pray father we thank you that you look to us through eyes of love we thank you that even though we give you thousand and one reasons to go you always had one reason to choose us we thank you that you have selected us you have equipped us you have loved us we thank you that you leave the 99 to come after the one we thank you for the holy spirit our counselor our advocate our standby we thank you that we can call you our father and most importantly we thank you that you call us your children we pray and may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Wow. We thank God for yet another day. Another day season of our life where we can work or where we must work the works of He who has sent us. We tell God that He has qualified us again to see another day. And we want to continue our study tonight. We are looking at another single episode that we want to title those that cut the woman <laughs> those that cut the woman and our stories from no other than the woman caught in adultery you know one of the things i like to personally do is to i like to study people in the bible who are not mostly talked about that's why i like people like joseph the foster father of jesus that's why i like people like the four leopards remember at the gate of samaria the third episode I just like studying people like this because it's understandable if someone like David is in the Bible because of the so many exploits in it. People like Daniel, the whole book is about Daniel. People like Prophet Samuel. But the little or the people that much is not written about them, the little that is written about them should be very significant for them to be considered in the body of scripture. So I like studying about those type of funny, funny people. And... <laughs> It's in my quest that I noticed something about the people that caught the woman supposedly in the act of adultery. So you can join us as we take your Bible with us. And as we go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We'll just read from verse 1. Jesus went onto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that, that such should be stoned. But what thou sayest? They said this tempted him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus took down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto him, Then he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience. Now, in the original manuscript, being convicted by their own conscience is not part. So um, I think with the King James Version, it's in italics. So whatever you see in italics, it just lets you know that it's not in the original manuscript, but the translators added it for us to appreciate the context or just to give a further um, 
context to what's going on. So even in the verse six, um, the original manuscript goes like, "But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground." But with the King James, it says, "And Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground." So let me appreciate that he used his finger to write on the ground. So verse nine, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the elders. <laughs> I'm sure John noticed that those with the beards are going first, <laughs> then the small boys are following, and the little ones are going. <laughs> And he said, even unto the last, and she said, No, my Lord. And Jesus said unto her, He that hath condemned thee, go and sin no more. The last verse. Then speak Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We bless God for the reading of His word. Now, mostly, whenever this scripture is read, mostly is focused on Jesus forgiving the sin or the sins of the lady saying that no one condemns you so do i or people also focus on the woman but as i said early on that i just like to focus on people that are not always obvious it's always just intriguing and you, you learn a lot so just a little um background information before you look at these people yet again we see that they came to tempt jesus with a question and i think when we are doing rightly divide we made i think i made mention of that many of the times that these scribes and pharisees and sadducees came to question jesus it was not because they genuinely wanted to know but they were genuinely concerned those who were genuinely concerned like nicodemus they came to see jesus after they came to see jesus for personal tutorials but there are those who came just to tempt him just to find a reason to accuse jesus and many a times, people will come to ask us questions. And we must be discerning enough to know the origin of those questions. Some people just want to prove to us that we are fault or what we know is not accurate or something of that sort. And with those people, it ends up mostly becomes an argument, than an exhortation, than um, an administration, or than the communication of truth. So that's the first thing that we should take note of. So I think those of us who are... Um, at positions that we share God's word, we should be able to discern people's motives, people's agenda, and we should know where to invest our energy into. The next thing that's very interesting, and now you are looking at those that cost the woman, is that they brought the woman to Jesus looking for an occasion to accuse him. The power of accusations. It can really cripple, and many of us, there are many times people, for example, um, let's say ladies, most ladies generally, I may be wrong, do not want to let say marry pastors because they just don't want to be tagged as uh, offering money or pastor's wife or that so many a times we don't want to do certain things just because we don't want people to point accusing fingers at us when we know it is not true so people may not want to marry a politician just because they feel like or they will not want to marry somebody who is a public figure just because they feel like People will say so many things against them. So accusations has a way of crippling us. Many of us, we don't want to live for God to a certain extent because we just don't want people to say things about us, people to accuse us. Because if somebody says you are a thief, and you know you're not a thief, maybe you still charge money, but you, you don't. Why should you be bothered? But that's how powerful accusations are. When people accuse you of something, at a point, you just don't want to do it just because you want to prove the person wrong. I remember a time that um, we in a particular group and people thought that I was making an attempt to give my best because I wanted a position in the group. So I deliberately wanted to turn down that position just to let people know that I am not living for God or I'm not serving God in this capacity because of a position, but it's because that is who I am. So sometimes just because we want to prove people wrong, 
we are being robbed and it's, a, it's an arsenal of the devil it's an arsenal a strategy that the devil used to keep many people from being in the ministry or from working for god just because they don't want people to talk about them they want to in quotes live a quiet life a peaceable life <laughs> They want to have their three cars, one for them, one for their spouse, and one for the children. Have a nice house, you know, live that quiet life. They don't want too many fingers. But then Jesus said that a servant cannot be greater than his master. And sometimes we just wonder how people can just cook up wonderful accusations. It's very fascinating. So sometimes, me personally, when I come into contact with a spiritual instructor that I've not, I don't know. Um, let's see, I, I stumble on a man of God. I'm like, hey, I don't know this man of God. And I go and Google about him. Most of the first thing I like to go is to go to controversies. The more controversies around a particular minister, the more I like the minister. Because Jesus himself was called Satan. If Jesus was called the direct opposite of himself, we that we are not Jesus. If they call us something else, we should not, it should not bother us. <laughs> because if God could be accused of being Satan, Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, a point when he was casting demons, he said they are casting demons by ability of Satan. If Jesus can be accused of being Satan, if people are accusing us for something that we are not, don't worry. Eh? You should not allow that to weaken you. You should not allow that to make you lose heart or lose or faint or grow weary. It's something that happens. It's a battle that we fight in this world. And it's a something that God will reward us for. So the next, the second thing, the third thing was that these people knew the nature of Jesus. Because they came and they said that Moses says we should stone the person. And they knew very well that Jesus would by no means agree to what Moses has said. And that was the temptation. So because immediately Jesus said something contrary to what Moses has said, they will now attack Jesus that now you are greater than Moses. Now you are telling us to rebel against Moses. And they wanted a reason to accuse him. So that the next time Jesus goes to the synagogue and he's preaching, remember he was in the synagogue preaching. So the next time Jesus goes to the synagogue preaching, the scribes and the Pharisees can go and say, oh, this guy, he even disagrees with Moses. He doesn't believe Moses. He doesn't agree with Moses. And that was the reason why they brought that situation. So they themselves knew very well that Jesus will never endorse stoning of someone caught in the act of adultery. And that tells us something very important. Many people that accuse us, they know very well that we are not like that. There's this one spiritual instructor in Ghana and you do it very well. And I think one day I was on social media and I stumbled on it that some lady was accusing him of either rape or something. And that Pastor Susu and so, Reverend Susu and so, come and explain yourself. And these things may be true or they may not be true, but it's just interesting how there's always something up against someone. And mostly people are accused of the one thing they are not doing. Jesus, who came to save lives. Moses, who came to deliver the Israelites, was accused of rather imprisoning and enslaving them. Somebody who came to deliver them from bondage was rather accused that you have brought us into the wilderness to die. So most often than not, if you want to know that you are doing the right thing, you mostly are accused of doing the wrong thing. So if you are someone, maybe you are in the ministry, you use God's money judiciously, you'll be accused of spending, wasting God's money. It's, it's something that just comes and it's very interesting. And it's something that we should not shy away from because yet again, Jesus said that the servant cannot be greater than the master. But now let's really go into these people, those that caught Jesus in the act of adultery. And you can just imagine when they asked Jesus the first time, the Bible said, as though he has not heard them, he just um, bowed down and with his finger wrote on the ground. And I think I've heard quite a number of things out there of what Jesus may have written. Some said that Jesus was writing the law that they, that they quoted. 
Sam said he was writing, but I don't think what he wrote was important. For all you know, he was just drawing a dog, just whining away time. I just feel like he was just letting them answer their question themselves. So Jesus was writing, he ignored them. And the people were like, hey, Mr. Jesus, you have asked me a question. You are calling yourself a great teacher. You are calling yourself a great teacher. So after they continue to persist, they just like, this would be a mean business. So Jesus gave a very simple response that if you are asking for the death of this person, you yourself must be qualified to stone someone. So he said, he who has not sinned, let that person be the first. At least if one person you have not sinned, if that person stones the rest of you, you can hide under the righteousness of this one person. And then we all know what happened. But this is very interesting. And the interesting thing is that these are scribes. The Bible says in, in verse 2 that scribes and Pharisees, these are people that pride themselves in obeying the law. These are people that um, Mr. Paul was a member of, that he could say that in, 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 I think, Philippians, when he was boasting about his credentials in the first, he said that, according to the law, I was blameless. And if you have a time to study about the scribes and Pharisees, you will realize how blameless they were. If you remember the scenario Jesus gave about two people who came to pray, somebody came and said, me, I pray. Say, God, you know that as for me, that's beating his chest. Said, me, I pray three times a day. I give to the poor. I fast. I do this. So these people were religious people. And they tied to the extent that they tightened on their salt, on their pepper, on their gari. These were people that gave arms, even though it was for public show. But these were people that their whole life's mission was to fulfill the 613 laws of Moses. But then, but then when the moment came for them to really prove to the world that indeed, according to the law of Moses, they were blameless, they all began to leave. And this is the very main thing I noticed about, or I learned from these people, is that people are not really who they appear to be. Because if it was just a group of people, maybe the, the ladies' brothers or some area boys were passing and they saw the lady in the act of adultery and, and they brought their lady, it would have been a different case. But these were the scribes and the Pharisees, the highest religious bodies of the people. The people who, as I said earlier, pride themselves in the fact that they obeyed to the letter the law of Moses. So it really made me, so as I was just reading the passage, the Holy Ghost just drew my mind to the fact that this time don't focus on Jesus, don't focus on the lady, focus on the people. And I realized that people are not who they appear to be and people don't do what they appear to do. So as I was thinking about this, God just gave me an instance and there's this particular guy at work that is a, it's quite a funny example though, but it's, it's so real. There's this guy who always comes to work very early. As at sometimes, as at 5.30, 6 a.m., and we are supposed to be at work by 7.30, there about. By 5 o'clock, this guy can be at work. Hey, then you see him, he's always behind his laptop or going about doing his duties. Hey, but almost always, this guy is behind deadline. Always, we are when they are giving query, this guy is part. Why have you submitted this? Why have you not presented this? But this guy is almost always the first to come and the last to leave. He's always busy. You hardly ever see him chatting around. Occasionally, then he comes to chat around. But almost always, this guy is busy. Like, and interestingly, too, he dresses very official. <laughs> like, very official. We all dress official, but his one is very official, prim and proper. So one day, amongst us, we're like, ah, this guy, he always looks like he's working. But almost always, he's asking for deadline extension. Can you extend? So we ask him, what at all? Or is it that the work we are all doing his own? He has a special way. Just for us to realize that this guy, when he's behind his laptop, he's not working. He's either watching movies or he's sleeping. I says, one day we laughed. He said, hey, cool. Is that the way you are? <laughs> 
So you can see this guy behind his laptop for two hours, three hours. He has the documents in front of him. He has a pen. The guy looks so busy. But maybe he has just written one line and he's watching movies. He has his big headphones. He's watching movies. So sometimes we hear that, oh, um, what time do you, oh, I left so listen, I was supposed to leave by um, four. He leaves work around six. Sometimes you are wondering, ah, what at all? Just to go and see, he's sleeping in the office. I say, ah. And it just reminds me of a time when we, I was in secondary school. People used to do all the time. Early in the morning, they wake up, they bath, they are going to the classroom to learn. After prep, they are learning. Hey, when we are playing football Saturday morning, these people are taking their bags, they are always in the classroom. But the exams will come and they are not doing well. Just to realize that, Charlie, it's not everybody that is going to their classroom that is learning. <laughs> and it's very true because many people do not appear to be who they are. And many people do not appear to be doing what they claim to be doing. Sometimes, as well in church, sometimes you get the impression that these people, their prayer was fire. You should go see them in their rooms. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And sometimes it's not their fault. It's not as if they tell us they pray. But sometimes, when you're in school, you see some people, you look like, hey, this is good, Charlie. Like the whole day they are praying. Not because that's what they tell us, but because when you look at them, that's what we assume about them. But many times, people are not really what they are and who they claim to be. So these Pharisees and the scribes, Everybody in the community really respected them because we know that if not for anybody at all, as for these two sects of people, they follow the law of Moses. They obey the Sabbath. They obey the Ten Commandments. They obey the 613 laws. They do not practice miscropping. They have no tattoos. They do not shake like you would assume that they are living to the fullest extent of the law. But now when Jesus said that if indeed you are living to the fullest extent of the law, stone the woman. And all of them knew that they have done things that according to the law of Moses, they also deserve to be stoned. But they did not stone them. And it's just interesting that these are the same people that brought this woman for persecution. And I believe this is a truth that we should know about people. We should know about ourselves. And that is why it is very deadly to relate with people based on what we see. Because we would always, almost get it wrong. We would almost always get it wrong. Because people are hardly who they portray to be. They portray to be. Because everybody likes to appear honorable. <laughs> everybody likes to appear dignified. Everybody likes to appear serious. Um, I think at time at work, you see some... Yes, when I was younger, I really thought that girls don't joke around. Girls were serious people. Because when I was in, um, in primary school, I was serious. Little did I know that, hey, they are more, <laughs> let, me, let me play safe. That is why it is really going to be deadly for you to relate with people and for you to know people after the flesh, as Paul said. That we know no man after the flesh. That is why we need to be spiritual people because that's the only way we can discern the intents and the hearts and the thoughts of people. And that is really who they are. Because people are hardly ever who they portray to be. And it is something that we should have engrafted and embedded into our hearts. I remember one day we were coming from work and I was with my colleagues and something happened. And they, they, they are ladies and they like, oh, something. And they were like, hey, um, Sam, a nice lady, you're going to talk to her or something. And I just gave them some IB and I just, we just continued. <laughs> I said, and I think I made it that nowadays, nice people don't impress me. Because there are people that you see them so dignified and you want to be their friends. Just to later find out that this person you are going to say hi to, if you had known, you would not have said hi to. Because your hi was an invitation of wahala and stress. 
into your life and concepts into your life, especially in church. Because in church, people always look dignified. We all look like angels. We all look like a firstborn of, of the 24 elders. So sometimes you may see a pretty lady or a handsome gentleman and you want to approach the person. Little do you know <laughs> the real person behind the mask. And these are the things that we should take notice of. That is why we should always be discerning people. Because man, it is our limitation. We can only judge on the outward. Because that's all we can see. And that's all our flesh can permit us to see. That is why sometimes you look at people and you wonder, how did this lady marry this guy? Because from what the person is portraying, you can clearly see that this person did not see this about the person. And many times, many of us have brought wahala and mess into our lives because we said yes to a friendship we should have said no to. Because we said yes to people we should have said no to. Because we entertained people we should have said no to. Many people that are struggling under addictions is because people introduce them to us. And sometimes if you are told the person who introduced you, look at the person, say, oh, this is very addictive dignified person. You just can't imagine this person doing such a thing. But it does not take long for us to know that people are hardly who they ever or who they ever portray to be. Because our body and our flesh is just a packaging. It's just like a fantastic packaging. We are very good. So it is very deadly to relate with people based on what they appear to be. That is why we cannot take for granted the ability to discern people. And you should not take for granted when the Holy Ghost is giving you nudges about people. There are people that you see that will approach you or that you want to approach. And sometimes the Holy Ghost will give you a sign in your heart and unease about it. But because they look all nice on the outside, they use the right words. They seem to use the right words. They seem to speak well. If only you knew, you would have saved yourself a lot of trouble. And there are many of us that are going through so many troubles, so many complications because of people we accepted into our lives. But from this scenario, I am learning and you are also learning. Or God is teaching us that people are not really who they portray to be. The next thing about these um, scribes and Pharisees is that after Jesus made the statement, they all began to analyze themselves and they realized that, hey, Charlie, this thing that the woman has done, I have done like 10 different ones that I also deserve to be stoned. So I did not qualify to stone the lady. This teaches me that people are not reflective and thinkers. We do not have time to think and reflect about our lives. Because if you are somebody who does that, in the first place, in the first place, when you catch a woman in adultery, it will not even occur to you that stone the lady. Because you are somebody who is aware of yourself. And many people are not aware of themselves. Many people don't know themselves. So there are certain times I know that I, let's say, I like a particular type of lady. So whenever I see myself, I say, oh, me, I know that this one, it is not real anything. It is just my flesh misbehaving. So I know this about myself. So I'm discerning enough to know that, hey, this one, they are home by you. It is just my body. That is me. But many a time, because most of us, we don't take an inventory of our lives. We don't take a stock of our lives. We are not people who are reflective. We are not people who examine ourselves. We really don't know much about ourselves. So we are impulsive in our decisions. So you can see the Pharisees, they were willing to take up stones. I'm sure, I think there's a particular movie of Jesus, a particular version. They came to see Jesus with stones and rocks in their hands. That's because they were impulsive people. People who are not deep thinkers. People who are not reflective. People who don't spend time 
to analyze themselves. That's why, again, I think I said last week that quiet time is the most important season in the day of a believer. It's a time where you reflect on the choices you make and you must know why you keep making certain choices. There are many of us, we keep making the wrong choices. We keep making the wrong choices and we don't even notice this about ourselves because we are just always going up and down. Always we are busy. Our minds are always roaming. That is why we don't even know if we are making progress or not in life. That is why for many of us, the goals and the resolutions we have set, we have long forgotten about it. That's why for many of us, God cannot speak to us. Because our minds are always busy. We are always activity busy, always thinking about something, always doing something. But we hardly ever have time to sit down. In Genesis, the Bible says, after Abraham had sent his servant and they were coming back with Rebecca, the Bible says, and Isaac was in the field meditating. This is an important thing that we should inculcate into our lives. Sometimes I have so much going on in a day. And sometimes, I remember a friend, I remember, hey, you, you always do this consistently every day. I said, yes, well, every day I always sit down and ask myself, what am I to do today? What have I done? Have I, who am I to call if I'm supposed to call someone? And that's how come I live an intentional life or I make the efforts to live intentionally. I try not to be an impulsive person because impulsive decisions are mostly irrational decisions. Because if these people had taken a stock about their lives, they would know that they do not qualify to stone this lead. They do not qualify. So the, the version where the kingdom said, and these people, and let me see how he puts it. It says, um, and these people being convicted by their own conscience, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one. Meaning, it was not at the stoning of the, or about the verge, or at the point where they about to stone the woman, where their conscience was telling them. From the time they committed the crime or the sin, their conscience was telling them, but they shut their conscience down. There are many times God wants to draw our minds to things. God wants to tell you that, Charlie, last week you did not force. The way you spoke to your boss, the way you spoke to your friend, you have been ungrateful, you are not being thankful. See the way you are complaining, see the way you are murmuring, see the way you are doing this. But because many of us, we are so busy in our minds about all the other things, the Holy Ghost cannot even tell us. So their conscience could not even tell them that, Charlie, you have been committing a particular crime. So it took Jesus questioning them that the he who has not sinned, let him be the first to throw a stone those that got the woman. These are the two main lessons I learned from these people. And it's something that is very important. That one, do not relate with people based on the flesh because you almost always get it wrong. David did not look like somebody who would become a king. So imagine I had met David in the wilderness. I wouldn't have treated him fine. Saying, I didn't want Jonathan to be my friend and you will come on David. Because people are not always who they seem to be. Imagine if you were Daniel's friend and both of you were caught in the war and Babylon had captured you. You would have rather been a friend with somebody else if only you would have known that Daniel would have become a prime minister. That is why it's deadly to relate with people based on what they are or what they look like. Because the truth of the matter is people are hardly ever who they appear to be. You see some gentle, quiet, I mean, the quiet people. <laughs> uh, and the second thing we learned is that these people were people who are not reflective, who do not think, who do not spend time to evaluate, to take an inventory, to take a stock about their lives, to ask themselves the goals I set for the year. How deliberate am I 
in achieving these goals. I said this year, I'll be a, a bit more appreciative. Have I called my parents enough? Have I called my siblings enough? This year, I said every week I'll pray for someone. Am I doing that enough? For some of us, we can go a whole year forgetting that we said this year we will do something. You said you save this particular amount of money. You said you start this particular thing. You can just be going about your normal routine. Then you realize we are wasting life because we are not deliberate and intentional about the way we live. And the last thing that we have done for tonight's episode is that, and they began to live from the oldest, <laughs> beginning at the eldest, even to the last one. And it's one is obvious why they did that. Then Jesus lifted up and said, and said, Woman, who is that accused thee? And then no one said, So also do I not accuse you. So after this incident, Jesus gives a concluding statement in the verse 12. And now what I want to conclude with Jesus spoke again and said unto then speak Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So after Jesus encountered these scribes and the Pharisees, he's just making us know that Charlie, this world is full of darkness. People are lost. People are lost. That is why they want to come and stone somebody who is committing the same crime that they are doing. So one spiritual instructor gave an instance that life in this world is like entering a dark room. A dark room, a room that you cannot even see your own fingers. That's how dark this world is. And in this room, there's a pot of gold. In this same room of darkness, there are serpents and cobras and crocodiles. In this same room is a bed of rose. And we are supposed to find ourselves in this life. That's the way life is. Because as I told you earlier, people are not really who they seem to be. We are all in darkness. But the antidote to living in this room of darkness is to follow the light. He said, I am the light of life because life is dark. But the simple way to follow or to escape the crocodiles, escape the alligators, and to land on the pot of gold and to land on the bed of roses is to follow Jesus. People are living in darkness in their relationships. It's messed up. They are fine. I always say, when I listen to the stories of people, I'm like, how did you end up getting in this place? I just can't imagine. But that's because people are in darkness. People are taking so many missteps. Because there's no light. There's no direction. People are marrying the wrong people. People are befriending the wrong people. People are being scammed. People are being deceived. Because human beings are not really who they say they are. And they are not who they appear to be. I remember uh, my brother was telling me that he, if he goes for a job interview, what he's focusing on is the choice of words of, of the interview. If the interviewer is too nice, always saying the right words, he doesn't believe the person. Yes, it's just like, he said, people cannot just be too good like that. <laughs> he's very careful about them. They will always explain their situation, but when they are making demands on you, that's why I think I shared the other time that Jesus said that let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Anything more than yes and no proceeds from an evil heart. This is one of the best advice people can give you or someone can give you in relating with people. Look out for people who say more than yes and no. And the best example are politicians. This is not a personal attack. And I understand why they do that. Because they need to convince people to vote for them. And I experienced this first time. I had a boss. This boss can talk. Hey, oh, I'll get you that promotion. I will do this. I'm speaking to the director. Ah, just to realize that the money we should have been getting, it was the reason behind the money we are not getting. 
So it was because I we later comforted the people that this is the money that we knew we were supposed to get. Just for them to tell us that it was this our boss, the one who claimed to be the voice of the voiceless, the defender of the defenseless. <laughs> it was this one who went to tell the like, oh, little video, I know where that money. Be careful of people who say more than yes or no. That is why sometimes if you are a lady, if a guy says I love you, just believe that I love you. But sometimes because the guy knows that if he says that I love you, he won't believe, he's tempted to add more. Oh, I will buy the moon for you. I will buy the stars for you. <laughs> oh. So as a, as a guy, look for a lady that takes yes and no. Finish. I love you, yes. Do you love me? No. Like, that's all. Don't try to over-explain it. And that, that is why one of my, one of the spiritual instructors, he says the people he doesn't like are experts. Go and bring an economist or an architect, mostly he's into building of churches. So the architect will say, eh, the land over here, we need to do this. You are talking too much. Can the thing be built? Yes or no? Can we do this? Yes or no? Those who come and experts, in the, we're talking plenty. That's why Africa, our leaders are experts. They go to the best schools in Europe, but they cannot change the vision. Because anything beyond the yes or a no proceeds from an evil heart. It's an advice that will give you light in this life. Frankly speaking, so if a guy comes and he wants to over-explain himself, he wants to overprove himself as a good guy, this one is a free marital counsel, free from people like that. That's what Jesus says. So just by following Jesus, you are receiving light to flee from cobras and scorpions and, <laughs> and alligators in the room. That's how we receive the light by following Jesus. That he that followeth me will receive the light. Following Jesus is allowing yourself to be changed by the word of God. So if you are a lady who used to believe that a guy must convince you, a guy must do this, Jesus is saying that let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Anything more than this is from an evil heart. I'm telling you, hold this advice and just observe it in people. Hold this advice and observe. I have some colleagues, oh, they come and talk. I know a particular guy, one day he wanted to come and borrow money. I have some projects here. You know, when the shipment comes, we sell those goods as a hey, brother, brother. And as, as Jesus cannot work, cannot lie, I give the money and now getting the money back became a whole tag of all. If you just need the money, brother, I need money. I have wasted my money. So I'm broke. Give me money. Finish. But somebody wants to oversell himself. You realize that no. But the issue is that we don't allow ourselves to follow Jesus. We cannot be changed by Jesus. And that's what I found out in many people. So you see all of us going to church, but our lives are still messed up. Our finances are still messed up. And that's just that's the point. Just remind people are not who they seem to be. For example, in finances in Ghana, hey, the way people spend and live, you would think that they are millionaires. But the day you get an opportunity to go through people's bank accounts one by one, you see how broke people are. But the way people live large, <laughs> One day I went into a girl's room. Me, I'm working in a good work. I can't afford. The guy has this, the guy has that, the guy has this. That. I said, hey, why are you getting all these things from your room? <laughs> but I got to know that these people. <laughs> but allow yourself to be changed by God's word. Allow yourself, lady. Allow yourself. If God says that, do not be unequally yoked. Don't say, oh, as for him, they are Christians who cheat on their husbands. So we are Christians. Of course, marry a Christian, not a church goer. And so that is why nowadays, when we say Christian, 
We have to add so many adjectives. A God-fearing, a prayerful, spiritual, humble, nice, good Christian. That is tautology. Because a Christian is a God-fearing person. A Christian is a humble or should be a humble person. A Christian should be a kind person. A Christian should be a loving person. A Christian should be a patient person. But because we ourselves, we know that we are not being changed by the word of God. Or we don't allow God's word to change us, to direct our lives. That is why we have to add so many adjectives to our Christian description. But tonight, God is saying that let his word change you. Let his word change you. And some of us, we have just made up our mind that this is what I'm going to do, no matter how the word of God says about it. And that's the way many Christians are. Many Christians are convenient Christians. We obey the word of God until it contradicts what we want to do. So we have no problem, let's say, praying. We have no problem, let's say, giving in church. But when the Bible says honesty, then we have a problem. Because we are used to deceiving and cutting corners and being smart. And nowadays we have all sorts of terminologies and expressions for sin. But tonight, Jesus is saying, follow me. Because this life you are living, this world has been here for millions of years. This Satan you are fighting is an ancient, the Bible calls him the ancient serpent. Wache is old, he's ancient. You can't outsmart him. But by following me, by keeping in step with me, by allowing my words to change you. So if you are going in the right direction and God says left, take a sharp left, take that sharp left. And Bible says, if you do that, you will have the light in this life. Shall we pray? We want to just spend some time in prayer. And tonight our word is simple. We want to ask God the Father, may we allow your word to change us. Many of us are walking in this world. We have picked our minds. <laughs> we have picked our minds. Everybody is walking in this world with their own mind. Though. You'll be surprised. Hmm. Everybody in Chile, everybody has already picked their mind. So people are not really submissive or are not interested in the word of God because we already have our own opinions about how we are going to have our relationship. We already have our opinions about marriage. We already have our opinion about finances. We already have our opinion about relationships. We have our opinion on how to deal with our employers. So many of us, we deal with our employers unjustly because we feel like all employers are like this. All employees are like this. That's how most of us live. But allow God's word to change you. And that's what we want to pray. That Father, may we allow God's word to change us. May we follow Jesus because he is the light of this life. This world is covered in darkness. Father, we ask for grace that we will be malleable to the word of God. Who can take a U-turn because of the word of God? We can take a sharp turn because of the word of God. The word of God can change our mentality. The word of God can change our perception about our life, about our way of doing things. Jesus said that I am the light of this world. This world is covered in darkness, but he who follows me, we pray for grace to follow Jesus. We pray for grace to bend to the word of God, not to break the word of God. We pray for grace to be subject to the word of God. We pray for grace that the word of God be the final authority in our lives. If the word of God says this is how relationships are done, we would follow it. If the word of God says this is how money should be spent, we would be following it. We pray for grace. We pray for strength. We pray for help. That we will be the doers of the word. 
we will follow the light of this world and we know when we do that we will not walk in darkness father every darkness in our life we speak your light in every darkness every confusion every unclarity uncertainty in our finances in our destiny in our career in our relationships in our health every unclarity every mystery every darkness every absence of life we speak light into it in the name of our jesus we have clarity we have a sound mind we have clearness in whatever we do because we are following the light of this world we thank you for this opportunity we thank you for your ever refreshing word and we thank you that we are following jesus in the name of our lord jesus amen thank you so much for being with us and we are going on we are going on we are personal keep being with us keep inviting friends as we renew our minds remember in the year 2022 we are still giving god our very best and we are only no man nothing but love. See you next week, brother. And bye bye.